Coming up this week on Sporting Journal Radio. I'm actually kind of surprised, Dan, at how many people were in support of having a crossbow uh, available for everybody during the entire archery season. They'll still hit it. It'll just look more walleye. So what I've found is going to just a plane, no beads, no spinners, no nothing. Just plain two hooks. I fish, I hunt, and always will. Broadcasting from the Alclair Outdoor Studios. Presented by OnX. Know where you stand with OnX. We're not just a radio show anymore. This is Sporting Journal Radio. That's right. Welcome to the show. I'm Brett Amundsen. Thanks for tuning in on the network by demand or watching this on YouTube. That's uh, Dan Amundsen right over there. Dan, how you doing? Hey, everyone. David Eckhart right over there. David? Hello. Good to have you back in the studio. Yeah. You've been busy. I have been busy. It's been a busy summer. Yeah, like uh, last week, I'm like coming in. He goes, "No, I'm signing my house." <laughs> like, wow, that sounds yep. terrible. It was hot. <laughs> <laughs> and then Friday, what did we? We went and uh, poured. You uh, made built a sidewalk yeah. at Tony's house. Poured concrete on Friday, and it was. Oh, I think it was 150 degrees that day. It was quite warm. Tony asked us all to come help him. Uh, pour concrete and make the sidewalk so dan and i and david all go over there and it was basically me tony and dan sitting around drinking beer watching david finish heat stroke <laughs> yeah i think i drank a gallon of water that morning Jeez. and david nobody drinks more beer out of this group than you well i don't know about that <laughs> yeah way to just make him sound like an alcoholic well, on the radio his me... grandma listens to this oh, show sorry grandma Jeez. my point being like i we, enjoy beverage we we're like all right let's have another beer and david's like I'll just have a water. Yeah. I'm like, who I'd, are you? I think I'd had one beer. I'm like, I need like four more glasses of water. Which was before. the smart thing to do. What? Yeah. But I was like, are you, is he sick? Like I said, we were all whispering. That's right. <laughs> he's, he's got cancer. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Nope. That's just heat exhaustion. Your grandma listens to the show. No, he doesn't. Just, have he doesn't have cancer. Just heat exhaustion. Well, you did a good job. Nice work. Well, we, all, we all supervised. Three supervisors <laughs> and David, the one that knows how to do it getting the job done so uh it's good to have you back in the studio in any case uh randon olson is going to join us this week to get a fishing report he's actually uh at the time of this recording pre-fishing for the tournament on otter tail lake on uh, friday july 7th and then joe henry is going to break down so we talk a lot about fishing crawler harnesses and spinners but there's some little nuances to it like sizes uh different types of blades crawler lengths things like that joe's going to break down some of that and talk more about lake of the woods coming up in a little bit and then um we'll get into like some food plots david you've been busy working on food plots so uh, i want to talk about what crops are like right now because it's crazy i walked we walked through and i guess dan had the same idea i did we just we was separate and i think i beat him to it but all the corn around here is like eight feet tall yep so knee high by the fourth of july it's a pretty old adage eight it was andre the giant by <laughs> july 9th something like i'm gonna make a new one New phrase for it. Good job so far. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> Andre the Giant by July 9th. I'm gonna make a new one. Uh, cool. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, so we'll wow. we'll talk about some of that. But first, Dan, who are Gosh, the sponsors? Gonna open this a beard. Now I got to do this. Week. Uh, live Target. Match a hatch at LiveTargetLures.com. Lake of the Woods tourism. Lake of the Woods is the walleye capital. Planet trip for this 
uh, summer. That says winter, but I'm going to say summer at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. Haybill Heights Campground and Resort. Book a trip to Devil's Lake. Learn more at haybillheights.com. Ottertail Lakes Country. Find your inner otter at ottertaillakescountry.com. And Prairie Sportsman. We wrapped up the new season, but you can watch episodes anytime at prairiesportsman.org or the Prairie Sportsman YouTube channel. And of course, Onyx and Al Claire. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, Lucas Mertens, by the way, had a birthday this week up at Haybell Heights. Happy birthday, Lucas. Appreciate you being part of the show. Oh, that was really loud. <laughs> that was fair. Wow. Jeez. Who's in control of that? Also, uh, iCast is uh, this week or coming up this week. So next week on this show, I'm sure we'll talk about some of the latest and greatest products at iCast. Like uh, the new Cast King iReel are they're debuting this week at iCast. And uh, we've been working with some of the iCast products. For guys that like to keep track of stats especially like tournament guys or people that want to really break down to figure out how something is performing what this reel does david is it it tracks like the distance of your cast it tracks how fast you're retrieving so all these all these stats so if you're trying to figure out like maybe you know you we've all been there where we're in the boat with somebody else we're using the exact same gear and you're getting outfished and you can't figure out what the deal is well, there might be little nuances like he's retrieving faster, he's retrieving slower, or he's casting farther, getting away from the boat a little bit. This this reel will track all that. It'll work with your app, connects via Bluetooth, and it'll track all those stats for you and compile so you can break down, okay, oh, I was, I guess I was reeling slower than him the whole time, and that bait needs a, a faster retriever. The fish were more active that day. In any case, so they're, they'll work with, uh, they've got these glasses now that you can... It's crazy. These new glasses, you can listen to music. It'll connect to your phone, and you can listen to music through Bluetooth. And if depending on how loud your volume is, you can sit and listen to music through your sunglasses, and the other guy in the boat won't be able to hear it. Wow. Like, how crazy is that? And then it'll work with the reel, too. So we're going to learn more about wow. that iReel, and you'll hear about it at iCast and a bunch of other products, I'm sure, this week as well, too. And we'll put some stuff on our YouTube channel. I'm sure. Make sure you subscribe to the Sporting Journal Radio YouTube channel. And while you're there, go to the Fish Hunt Forever channel, where we've got some new videos up, including, if you never saw it, we went to, after iCast last year, we went to Disney World. So I was, we were at the Live Target booth last year. And we're telling everybody about the, the new products from Live Target last year. And these two guys walk up, and I look at them, and they got name badges that say Disney. I'm like, what are these guys? These guys are running the Tilt-A-Whirl or what? You know, like Tilt-A-Whirl? Really Tilt-A-Whirl and Disney World? <laughs> Disney carnies. So, who, yeah, yeah, who are they? They're like, ah, we, we got bass at Disney World. And I'm like, bass fishing at Disney World? That's a thing? So a couple of days later, here we are, Dan and I are walking through the, the Contemporary Hotel with fishing rods along with Dina Vic and people with, you know, like Mickey Mouse ears are staring at us sideways like, what <laughs> what is happening? And you walk through the Contemporary and there there's a lake right there and a big dock and a marina and, and um, we jump in a boat and went fishing with uh, Paul, I guess was our guide's name. And uh, it's like two hour shifts, which was fine because it was uh, like 110 degrees or something that day. We were fishing in the afternoon, uh, but we caught some bass at Disney World. And you can see that video right now on the Fish Hunt Forever YouTube channel. So, David, it's it's been hot. We're into July here, a week into July. And the old uh, knee high by the 4th of July that, you know, I put that on my Snapchat story and then our buddy Dewey snapped me back. goes, yeah, that hasn't been accurate in like 20 years. Probably more like 
40 years. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just a change, you know, is it just a change in farming practices or is it a change in weather patterns or what do you think is changing that? It's a f change in farming practices and genetics of the crops we're growing now compared to the old conventional corn that they were, you know, planting with four row planters till June 1st, you know. So it had only been in the ground for a month, so they're hoping it's knee high oh, sure. <laughs> by the 4th of July. But I feel like everything is a little ahead of, uh, did you plant early this year? Or, or um, is it just because it's been dry and hot that that corn's really growing faster? It's, I think it's more the, the early heat that we had and good moisture in the spring. And now it's, the moisture's slowed down. We've gotten rains when we've needed them, but yeah. a lot of the state's still kind of on that drought, drought stage, so. Finally, some rain this week. Yeah. Def's desperately needed. It was weird that one morning Dan woke up and I'm like, wow, it's raining. And I looked out the window to the east. I'm like, oh, it's bright and sunny. I looked out the, <laughs> and it was, you know, 5.30 or 6, whatever, when the sun's already up. I looked out to the west. Oh, it's sunny. It, it's pouring at the house. Yeah. So it was like one rain cloud. Yeah, super spotty rains this house. year. So. But uh, so and that and there's obviously the farmer's corn is important and all that. But I'm thinking of the food plots around my house. The corn is looking looking pretty big. How are your food plots doing? Uh, they're doing good. I need to get out and check them and see if they need to be sprayed again for weeds. But um, it's amazing how fast yeah. you drive that four wheeler. Did <laughs> you turbo that? Cruising. Cruising. <laughs> if you're if you're listening to this, you should watch the video because we're watching David uh, work on his food plots. Wait, are you spraying right there? Or yep, what are you doing? So I'm spraying and then I let that get die down before I've worked it and planted them so that was probably back in mid-May early oh, May when okay. I sprayed that and then well let's watch this one then what are you doing here just spraying another food plot mid-May again yep that oh, was all unreal. the same day pretty much when I sprayed them but I Try got all the, all the corn and soybeans planted and um, they're looking good I need to stay on top of the weeds because there's been years past where I've got everything planted on time, but then get busy and don't get the weeds controlled. And then that takes all the moisture and nutrients and then the corn doesn't get very tall or put an ear on or anything like that. So that's what happened to me when I tried to grow a garden. <laughs> I did definitely didn't weed it. Like well, I you planted have. it and then went to Canada for like six months. So. <laughs> yeah, that well, makes my it tough. must have died. Makes it real tough. <laughs> Dan's like the neighbor in, hey, neighbor yeah. in home improvement yeah. now. Hey, hey, Wilson. What's going on? <laughs> this is a professional show. <laughs> just, just tip your laptop forward. Well, how about I put a new camera battery? Well, you can do that How too, about I put a new camera battery in? If you tip your laptop forward, we'll see your whole face. What's the fun in that? <laughs> just, just really the top of his head. Wanted us to see that live target at. Well... That's Thanks, hilarious. Live Target, for sponsoring the show. <laughs> Good luck at ICAST this week. That's right. Well, it's perfect time to take a break, I suppose, and put a new camera battery in. All right, we'll get that fixed. We'll talk more food plots and uh, some other important stuff, including uh, some, some important donating causes that you can be a part of when we come back on Sporting Journal Radio. 852 million acres of public land. 147 million private properties. All in the palm of your hand. The number one hunting GPS app just got better. With hundreds of custom map layers, 3D and topographic maps, you can easily scout on the road or at home before you go. And now you can get important weather details, CWD detection, and even know what crops have been planted where. Get the most trusted hunting GPS app ever made. Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx. 
Kodiak, a North American waterfowl film, is coming to the Fish Hunt Forever YouTube channel. I've been a sea duck hunter for about 30 seconds, and I've already got one that's probably going to go on the wall, so this is the coolest duck hunt I've ever been on. Presented by Boss Shot Shells, with support from Sitka and Beretta, and additional support from Alclair Outdoors, High Prairie Animal Arts, and the Association of Great Lakes Outdoor Riders. Watch Kodiak on the Fish Hunt Forever YouTube channel. We're back, Sporting Journal Radio. I'm Brett Amundsen, along with Dan Amundsen and David Eckhart. And if you've missed any of our past shows, you can watch them again at, at uh, sportingjournalradio.com on our YouTube channel or listen to them if you just want to download them with the, whatever podcast app you use. Feel free to do that. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about kind of the con crossbow controversy. Now that crossbows are legal throughout the entire season of Minnesota, we, we put that show out and we had some interesting reactions. Like, I'm actually kind of surprised, Dan, at how many people were in support of having a crossbow uh, available for everybody during the entire archery season. A lot more than I thought. And uh, there's a lot of interesting feedback. You know, some people, I don't think some people understood the fact that we're in favor of people with disabilities or youth or, or yes. older hunters hunting with a crossbow all season. I think that's great. That's the way it's been. I think that's fantastic. The change was that now anybody can shoot a crossbow during the archery season. And the part that surprised me the most was the amount of people that came out and said, Shooting a deer is shooting a deer. They're just killing a deer. It doesn't change the limits. So, okay, so we take that feedback. So, guys, should I uh, take my 30-30 and hunt all archery season? Yeah. I'm just going to shoot a deer. Should I take my spotlight and go shine them at night and shoot my deer? I'm just shooting a deer, shooting a deer, shooting a deer. Who cares how you kill it? That's what, that was the phrase I heard the most. Um, we have a TikTok account, actually, if you didn't know that. And there was a lot of feedback on the TikTok account of people saying that. Well, they're just who cares how you kill? You're just getting out hunting. Well, all right, I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna go shoot one at night with the spotlight off the road. How about that? Yeah. Um, you're just killing your deer. Yeah, I'm just killing my deer. How about this? I'm gonna put a weighted treble hook on and go snag a bunch of fish and keep my limit. I'm just keep my limit. Yeah. So, it's an interesting conversation, and I know we've heard this from a lot of people too. That saying, well, it's not gonna change how many deer get shot. It's gonna change when the deer get shot. I call BS on that because. People still saying, well, people are just going to shoot their deer. They're shooting their deer no matter how they do it. That's true if you think the fact or if you think that everybody who deer hunts fills their tag. They don't. We have like yeah. how many hunters in Minnesota? 500,000. Do you really think 500,000 deer get shot in Minnesota every year? No. I, not even close happening. No, I don't think there was even 200,000 deer shot last year. Uh, I think it was like between 150 and 200,000 and out of close to 500,000 tags sold. So buying a tag doesn't guarantee you a deer. No. And the whole idea of a four-month archery season or three and a half months, whatever it is, is because it's harder to shoot a deer with a bow, even a compound bow. It's still harder to do it, so that's why you get more time to do it. It's a little bit easier with a muzzle loader, so you get a little bit more time to do it. It's a little, it's real easy with a with a with a shotgun or rifle, so you get a short time to do it. Crossbows are going to be easier than archery, not as easy as a gun. So in my point, you put it right there in the middle. That's why I've, I've always been a proponent of a special season, similar to like a muzzleloader type season, to match the efficacy of the weapon. Again, like Dan said, we're not against people using crossbows that are over, uh, what was it, over 65? 60? Yeah. Or, or having, you know, some sort of physical disability. So what did, what did you, what, you guys were talking about that, David, recently, weren't you? Crossbow usage? As far as the change? Yeah, but, I mean... What have you been what hearing you from think? people? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've I've seen a few guys that have switched. Like, 
I'd get a Snapchat, somebody's sighting in their crossbow, and like, wow. Already? Oh, yeah. Oh, really? They're excited about it. They're excited. but well, I mean, Yeah, because they, they're going to have four months to shoot a deer at 100 yards. They already bow hunted. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, you're going to have some people that switch, I think. But don't you think those people, I mean, they may kill a deer anyway, but now if that 12-point buck comes within 80 yards that they wouldn't have shot at with their compound, they're going to have a crack at it with a crossbow. That's true, but... I don't know. The guys I've seen switch. Do you want to fight we're David? Already we're already bow hunters. Right that uh, David's definitely going to win. But. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even close. The but other thing. The I other think th- it's going to be, I think people are going to do it right away. It's like the first two weeks of duck season. Everybody goes, and then they get burned out, and then something else comes, you know, pheasant opener comes along. And I think it's going to be busy for the first two, three weeks, and then... That October right. lull is going to come, and people are just going to be burned out. And they might, but they might kill a lot of deer in those first two weeks. They could. It's like pheasant hunting. When the conditions are right or the crops are out that first week of the pheasant season, a lot of pheasants die that first week when the conditions but are right. But I don't right. know how many people are, even if they go buy a crossbow, are they going to be that serious about their scent control, yeah. noise? Are deer even going to get close to them? <laughs> Like, are they just going to be wandering the woods? Well, now they've got some extra range. They don't have to worry about them as, yeah. as close. But that's still, I don't know. People might have the rifle approach of, well, I just need to get it within 200 yards, and that's Oof. not the case. But Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't know. The, the other argument, I, or people always were complaining to us about, well, united we, or divided we fall with hunters. We're all for getting hunters out in yeah, the woods by all sure. means. but. We, and and right I, honestly, maybe we're jumping the gun on this. Maybe things will be fine. Maybe there's no change. I've heard it from a lot of hunters in Wisconsin and other states that have had these rules for a number of years that say there hasn't been a change. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. And maybe it'll be just fine. Maybe things will be normal. But I think, as, I think we're right to be concerned. But I, I, see the, I see the pros and cons. I'll say that. I wouldn't say I'm as concerned as you guys. <laughs> well, and, and here's the here's the other thing is if if the majority of hunters want it in Minnesota, I'm not going to argue with you. And I'll argue with you, but I'll put up with it. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm all for the greater good, too, but I'd like to see. We'll give it a couple of years. I think there's a two-year two year sunset yeah, two on year, it, I think. Yeah. Oh, there is a sunset on it. Yeah. I didn't think there was one. Well, they're not. I mean, what's the only thing I've ever seen them really pull back and change has been the August Canada goose season. Yeah, but we'll see. I mean, teal season's up for grabs after this season too, yeah. so we might see more of that. I just, I'm glad to hear there is one. I didn't know about that. Yeah, I think it's two years. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see. Well, I suppose they'll have to vote on it next session or whatever. Right. So we'll we'll but. see how much the crossbows company pay in two years. <laughs> That's right. Maybe they'll <laughs> run out of money. <laughs> um, New article at SportingJournalRadio.com about the elk, uh, the elk update, the elk restoration in uh, northeastern Minnesota. I'm excited about it. A lot of biologists are excited about it. A lot of hunters are excited about it, but I think they're less excited about it because the wolf season isn't a thing. And they're worried that we're going to move 20 elk over to the northeast and they're all going to get eaten immediately right. by, yeah. by wolves. Did, did you see the Facebook comment from one guy when he posted this blog? He was like, 18 wolves liked this post. Yeah. <laughs> I did see that. That made that me funny. chuckle. And it's a, it's a legitimate concern, you know, and that's one thing that uh, I brought up in that article is like it remains to be seen. But I did put stats from when Wisconsin uh, relocated uh, and reintroduced elk in Wisconsin. And they've got wolves, not as many as us, but they've got some wolves and they got a lot of black bears. So they had, I think that first year there were 74, I think, calves, elk calves 
born. Uh, well, not that first year, but I think it was 2019 or 2018. The stats came out out of 74 calves born. I think 38 of them died and only nine of them were from predation from other animals. So there are some stats, but then again, they also had, you know, 300 some elk in the state versus, you know, if they, they want to move, I think 50 or 60 that first time in 2026, but it all depends on what elk numbers are at in the Northwest state part of the state, because that's where they have to get the elk from. So remains to be seen, but uh, I'm excited about it, man. I think it's a great idea. I just, yeah, I hope they, they survive the predation. I think they will, but it might be a, might might need to build the population up a little bit. Moose are hanging right on there. still. We saw more moose a couple weeks ago, so yeah, they're doing. They're there. Basically, saw four of them on, uh, up on that Gunflin area, and we've been taking trips up there pretty much our whole lives. And there was a number of years we didn't see any moose. So I haven't seen a moose in Minnesota since I was six years old. Yeah. So till this couple weeks ago. Yeah. That's great. All right, real quick, I uh, just want to talk about the Fish on Forever store. We're giving back. Minfish had a real good year for advocacy this year. Of course, it helped that we had that giant surplus in Minnesota. They advocated uh, for $60 million for fish hatcheries in Minnesota. They got $55 million of it. That was partly uh, because of their work. They asked for $50 million for public water accesses. They got $35 million plus $3 million for two new accesses. They got $5 million for shore fishing, fishing and piers. Uh, they asked for $115 million towards fishing in Minnesota, and $98.1 million were, was approved. So uh, they, are, they were very active this year for advocacy for fishing in Minnesota, which is great. So that's why we're going to give back during the month of July. Uh, when you purchase something in the Fish Hunt Forever store or Sporting Journal Radio store, find it at SportingJournalRadio.com. We'll give 15% of all our sales in the month of July to men fish. So, I love it! Yeah, yeah. We're, we're here to help out those that are helping... Uh, keep the outdoors around for future generations. So find out more at sportingjournalradio.com. And more fishing talk coming up. Joe Henry and Randon Olson all on the way. Live Target, the leader in Match the Hatch, is back with new lures that also match the action. Introducing the Live Craw. The Live Craw is irresistible to bass, walleye, and other freshwater species. FTEX winner, the ultimate frog, looks and acts just like a swimming frog. With an exposed ultra-point mustad hook and replaceable legs, the ultimate frog has two styles, two sides, sizes and eight colors and i cast an ftex winner the live shrimp mimics a fleeing shrimp for saltwater anglers coming soon from live target northern minnesota's walleye factory is a year-round world-class fishing destination the perfect getaway this summer is just a short drive to lake of the woods fish big traverse bay the rainy river or visit the unique northwest angle to catch big fish you have to go where the big fish are plan your trip to lake of the woods at lake of the woods mn.com that's lake of the woods mn.com all right, now we're going to head up to Ottertail County and check in with uh, Randon Olson from Lockjaw Guide Service, who's on the water as we speak. Randon, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's a, it's a little breezy out here, so apologize if there's some wind noise, but uh, can't beat it. I'm sitting out in the lake. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're going to be out there fishing, giving us a fishing report from the lake, we'll deal with a little bit of wind noise. That's all right. Uh, how's fishing been? You know, it's, it's been pretty good for the most part. Um, of the lakes are kind of in a lull and, and then the other lakes are going pretty hot so um, listening to kind of reports is, is a big deal right now um, it's the time of the summer where some lakes go hot for a week or two and other lakes are dead for a week or two so um, local knowledge will get you a long ways this time of year and then on friday the 7th you're fishing in a tournament up there 
Yeah, we have Lundmania, so it's Lund only boats in the tournament. So it's a pretty cool tournament. Um, I know Tony Roach will be up here, and a lot of other big name guys will be out here. So worst case scenario, I get to watch them catch fish. <laughs> You've been fishing in that for a while, haven't you? This will be my first year in this tournament. Oh, um, oh it is. I've been trying to get into it for a while, but it's it's a it's a hard tournament to get into. Okay, so we need to thank somebody that dropped out. Then is what you're saying. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> somebody well, sold a lund. There, you know that lake pretty well. They were probably just trying to keep you out of it. That's probably what happened. <laughs> well, after so far today, they don't have anything to worry about. So you know what's going to happen, Randon, is you're going to get into the tournament uh, about two hours in, and all of a sudden you're going to all these other guys are going to see you catching fish, and pretty soon you're going to you're going to see guys trolling cranks at four miles an hour in three feet of water all around you. Uh, I think people look at me a little too stupid yet for that. <laughs> <laughs> have you been Have you been chasing them fast like that, or uh, what What's been your go to? My go-to on the lakes that have been kicking fish out here, my go-to has been a plain two-hook crawler rig running over top of the weeds. Um, we have a lot of pike, a lot of perch, a lot of bluegills, a lot of bass, things like that in our lakes. So what I've found is going to just a plain, no beads, no spinners, no nothing, just plain two hooks on a four-foot snell and an eighth-ounce bullet weight. Um, and just pull it right over the weeds. Um, You'll still get a panfish here or there. You'll still get a pike here or there, but but the numbers of so-called junk fish go way down when you take all the spinners and, and glamorous stuff off of them. Yeah, and by that you mean pike, I think. <laughs> That's what you're, what you're saying. Yeah, so, um, so are you running at kind of the same speed as you would if you had a blade on, or you go a little bit slower, or, or what do you do? No, pretty much the same speed. Um, the thing I think that a lot of people lose when they're pulling – pulling spinners and stuff over weeds um is is the weight isn't the most important part it's your speed and your speed can vary you know i'll, I'll fish an eighth ounce bullet weight down to 15 foot of water if i need to um so it's all just dependent on your speed generally i'm at a mile an hour with it um anything 10 foot or less i'm usually running right around a mile an hour um, you get a little deeper you gotta slow down a little bit if you go a little shallower you gotta speed up a little bit but um, interesting that mile an hour is a pretty safe starting spot. So an eight, you said an eighth ounce bullet weight. Uh, yep. So versus like running a bottom bouncer or something too. Um, you like going smaller and uh, lighter like that. Yeah, when I'm fishing in and around the weeds, I do. And I, I think the hardest part for most people when they're pulling something like that is to get over the fact that you're not going to touch bottom. Yeah. You're not going to touch. So, you know, the whole idea of this is to run in that top half of the water column. Even if you're in 12 to 15 foot of water, you only want to be six, seven foot down. Because you're trying um, to get above the weeds. Correct. Yep. Um, and that's the hard part for a lot of people. Same with like running a 16th ounce jig. You know, we're so conditioned to feeling bottom and feeling those weeds. We're pulling it over top and not feeling anything. You just have yeah. to trust baits in the right spot. So how are you, I mean, unless you're using your live scope, which I'll get into more here in a second, how do you know that you're running six feet down or that you're running, are you waiting till you feel the, feel the tops of those weeds then just lifting it up a little bit? By now it's all just experience. I know about how far back I am and, uh, and kind of where that bait's running. But when you're getting into it, the best thing you can do is a good cast out and slowly let out a little bit of line at a time till you start ticking weeds, reel in a couple cranks and you're there. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, for the most part, a good long cast, you know, 50 to 60 foot behind the boat and start trolling right away, you'll be right in that ballpark. So when you're in shallow water, those fish are all feeding up and, and out in front of them. So the, being right on top of the weeds isn't a necessity. You can be a few feet above them. So I have to give you some credit. I caught a I caught a 30 inch walleye up at Lake of the Woods uh, a couple weeks ago. Wow. Yeah, I know. I, I just want to keep saying it because I just like saying it. Um, but Dan was running the boat, and we were running two live scopes. He had his up on front on the front on the trolling motor, and I've talked about this a, a few times on the show, so kind of repeating it for some of you, I'm sure. But uh, and then I've been running my live scope off the back, and and part of this is after musky fishing with you. And when we were trolling suckers and you were pointing the live scope back to see what those suckers were doing, how they were running and to see if muskies were coming up off the bottom to, to chase those suckers around a little bit. Well, that kind of gave me the idea. And I'm sure I'm not the first person to do this by any means, of course, but uh, we were pulling spinners and I turned my live scope around and I could watch my spinner and I knew exactly where it was in the water column. And then if we were running over structure at all and the depth was changing, I could lift that bottom bouncer up. You know, instead of just feeling the bottom change, I could lift it up because some of those spots were pretty snaggy and I eliminated a lot of snags by being able to lift up over the top of those. And a lot of times I'll see the fish come. And, and here in the last couple of weeks, I've seen a lot of fish before I've caught them on the live scope when we're trolling. And to me, it just kind of my mind just like it blew my brain a little bit when uh, when that happened. So now I can't troll without a live scope pointing backwards. You ruined me, Randon. <laughs> You know, it is pretty amazing just how much more you can learn by watching those fish interact with your bait. Um, you know, today is a good example. I'm not catching a bunch today, but I've been on a lot of fish, and I've tried to slip bobber in them, and I've watched all these fish just swim up, look at my leech, turn around, go back down, swim up, look at my leech, and they just kind of keep repeating that. So, you know, a normal day you'd say, well, maybe they're not here, they're not biting or whatever, but they're there they're they're interested but i just got to tweak a few things and figure it out and you have that ability with that live imaging just to, to really pinpoint what they want are you using that while you troll point it backwards i i'm i'm not using it currently well, i've got it on but um, right now i'm just running a bottom bouncer down a brake line just kind of more or less scouting uh, i'm looking for pots of fish more than anything but um, a lot of these shallow flats which is a big thing you know, in the summertime that, that kind of gets overlooked and, and we've talked about it a bunch but fish like to be shallow and when you're up in those shallow flats you can't beat a, a live imaging sonar system up there um, you know how many fish are there you know where they're sitting you know what they're doing you know if they're hungry or if they're lazy or what what's going on so it's a, it's a big plus it's definitely changed the way we fish uh all three of us here in this room all have live scopes and, and you know david when you got yours do you use, you, you use yours in the open water a little bit yeah has it changed the way you fish yeah it's it's another tool is what it is and like randon said you can see how the fish are interacting that's the best part and you know if you need to change something you're able to change it it's also really frustrating. When, <laughs> you don't always catch the fish. Yeah, when you watch fish after fish come look at your jig and not hit it. <laughs> yeah, but at least you see that, and then you right. can change up if you need to or try something a little bit different. And still, it doesn't always matter, but it's definitely changed the way the way we fish. And Dan and I have found walleyes that we never would have – we wouldn't even have known they were there without being able to, to, to scan and scan out, you know, 60, 70 feet because we'd, we'd see pods of fish that wouldn't let us get close to them. You know, they'd keep scattering as the boat got close to them. So if we were trolling 
you know, crankbaits or spinners or something, we might not even touch those fish. They right. might scatter and go around us, but being able to see them set up on them and pitch into them has, has kind of changed things. And Randon, now that you got this tournament coming up, you know, you've seen it in the muskie tournaments, they've banned live scopes. What do you, how do you feel about live scopes and walleye tournaments? Completely honest, you know, I see both sides of it. And, and I guess if it were me making the decision, if you're gonna ban live scope, you better ban mapping too, because Mapping has is, is done more to hurt slash help our fisheries than, than any of this other electronic stuff all t- together, you know. Um, if you think of it, if you had live scope and, but you didn't have the GPS mapping, oh, you'd, yeah. you'd be in the, there'd still be a lot of untouched fish in the lake. Um, when you put the two together, there's not many places left to hide. So I, they said the same thing when side imaging came out, that it was too much, you know, but... but we're going to keep going forward. Another five years, we'll have something else that yeah. we'll try to make for a while. So, <laughs> Well, I, I think it comes down to more as a, an individual sportsman and, and how you treat the fishery and how many fish you keep and how you handle the fish and how much pressure you put on them because I love it. I absolutely love my life scope. I don't want to fish without it. Who is that? I was just talking to somebody about it, and I said it's like ice fishing. You wouldn't go ice fishing anymore without some sort of sonar, you know, some sort of electronics. I'm the same way with open water fishing now. I want to use my live scope every chance I get. Yeah. Uh, my first fish I caught today was 10 feet down over 50 foot of water, and it was a beautiful mm. little 19-inch walleye. So why he was out there, I don't know, but I spent the next four hours sitting out there. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right, Randon. Well, um, good luck in the tournament. Some of you listening on the radio, the tournament's already taken place. But uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, you might be watching it as the tournament is happening. So good luck. Good luck out there. And if people want to uh, you know, have you guide them for a day of fishing or two, what should they do? Best thing to do is just give me a call at 218-640-0158. Otherwise, you can check us out at LockjawGuideService.com or on Facebook. LockjawGuideService.com, Randon Olson and Ottertail Lakes Country. Randon, thanks for the time today on the show. I appreciate it, gentlemen. Thank you. Did you know there are more than 1,000 lakes in Ottertail County? Yep, and I'm going to fish as many as I can. I'm an outdoorsy otter. Nothing beats a full day of fishing for me. The lakes of Ottertail County give me plenty of options to lower my boat and snag the perfect catch. Not an outdoorsy otter? No problem. Ottertail County has something for everyone. You just need to find your inner otter. To find your inner otter, go to ottertaillakescountry.com. Devil's Lake is legendary, and this summer has been legendary for walleyes. Don't miss out. Call Haybale Heights Campground and Resort today to book one of their modern cabins on East Bay. The cabins are furnished with a full bathroom, kitchen, and all the amenities like high-speed internet and are clean following CDC guidelines. Staying at Haybale Heights gives you full access to a private boat launch, fish cleaning station, and beach area. Learn more at haybaleheights.com. That's haybaleheights.com. Plan your trip to legendary Devil's Lake today. Hi, this is Sporting Journal Radio. I'm Brett Amundsen along with Dan Amundsen and David Eckhart. And Joe Henry is our guest now from Lake of the Woods Tourism. Joe, you, you're back off of a quick trip up to Lake of the Woods, it looks like. Yeah, yeah. We uh, shot, shot up there just for a short time and had a chance to uh, uh, film some Midwest Outdoors TV with uh, you guys, a good buddy with Greg Jones, of course, I know, and you know Greg real well. But, you know, we went up there. And, I, just, uh, I just refer to him as the guy on the buffalo now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, so Greg, Greg is a, he's been a host of Midwest Outdoors TV for a long time, but he works with a lot of, a lot of different companies, including different kind of resorts throughout 
the Midwest and, and, and destinations throughout the Midwest. And, you know, uh, um, we, we shoot TV once in a while to, to promote our, our destination, of course. And, um, but Greg's also a tournament angler and Greg is a good fisherman and he's just a, a very down to earth, good guy. And, uh, um, you guys are talking about his musician ability. The oh, fact yeah. That he's, yeah. I, I kid around, uh, I kid around with Greg. I said, you know, Greg, and of course I'm just kidding around when I say this, but I, I tell him, I say, Greg, you know, it's you, it's you, uh, music people, man, you always get the gals. I mean, those gals are just infatuated with musicians. And he, he looks at me and he smiles. He goes, you know what that is, don't you? And I go, well, it certainly not looks. And he laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> but he said, uh, he said, you know, it's a transfer of emotion. And, uh, you know, there's probably a lot of wisdom to that. And, you know, you think about even just influencing people's behaviors and all the things we do for marketing and, you know, the, the, uh, the transfer of emotion and, and, and imposing upon people's subconscious and staying in front of people and all those things are just a human nature thing. I thought that was kind of funny, but at the same time, it was kind of deep. And, uh, you know, that sounds real deep for Greg too, actually, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and you ask any guitarist, that's the only reason they learned how to play guitar. That's yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They like music, but all right. Um, yeah. You play the guitar? I do <laughs> badly, <laughs> but let's be honest. I didn't well, pick so, it up. So, to... you're, so you're really telling your own personal story then? Like oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Uh, but you guys, you yeah, Greg is a great angler, and uh, you guys caught some nice fish, some nice perch you caught up there too. It looks like we did. Yeah, you know what we did, you guys. We so we we wanted to shoot a summer TV show, and we did it out of my personal boat, although. You know, we talked a lot about the charter boats because that's a big part of Lake of the Woods. Just the charters, you guys, are just so easy. You, know, you drive up with a couple, few people, you step aboard, everything is included. These charter captains, man, they, they are the true professionals on Lake of the Woods. They are dialed on what's going on with the fishing right now and what the fish are doing and what they're feeding on and what colors. And I mean, they, they're they good and they will put you on fish and give you a very quality walleye fishing experience. And they bring you back in at five o'clock. They clean your fish for you. It's just a really nice experience. Now, to compare, to contrast that, we did my boat, a personal boat, and we wanted to just show show that part of it too, right? Because a lot of people bring their own boats up to Lake of the Woods. A lot of boat ramps. We have a lot of great resorts that you can pull right up to your hotel room or cabin, plug right in, and have the boat right outside your door, which is nice. And we pulled spinners. And in the summer on Lake of the Woods, pulling spinners is a super effective technique. And we pulled spinners with... Uh, two hook harness with uh, crawlers and uh you know uh, a couple little tips when you're pulling spinners brett you know i you know me i mean i'm, I'm a little bit detail oriented when it comes to pulling spinners because i think those little details make such a big difference you know we were using a, a two ounce bottom bouncer and that two ounce bottom bouncer allows you to pull uh, a, a spinner or drift a spinner if you're not trolling in anywhere from five feet of water all the way down to about 30 feet of water so you can work brakes real effectively you know, I uh, try to keep a 45 degree angle when I'm pulling a spinner. You have full control of it. You know, I don't want to be dragging it in the rocks or in the sand or in the mud. I want to be able to touch the bottom and then keep that the bottom bouncer off of the bottom. And then, you know, uh, average speed is going to be right around that 1.25 miles per hour is my go-to. Certainly, sometimes you drop down to less than a mile an hour. Sometimes if the wind pushes you, if you got to turn, you, know, you might shoot up to one and a half. But I'll, I'll be like, one, two, five is where I'm at. And then, of course, when you're pulling that spinner, uh, that that the vibration affects that walleye's, walleye's lateral line, especially in the stained water of Lake of the Woods, so they can really hone in on it. That flash really attracts them. And then, of course, you have that crawler on that two-hook harness. That crawler is just vibrating like there's no you know nobody's business. And then 
that scented that crawler on there. So you got all those things working for you. And and you're also covering water because you're going at, a, you know, 1.25 miles per hour. So we uh, we decided not to go in the big basin. There's a good bite going on in the basin in the deep mud right now. There's a big, a lot, a lot of different hatches going on with, with insects. A lot of walleyes are out there. But we decided not to compete with the, the hatch. So we went a little bit shallower and found some rocks and there's walleyes feeding on bait fish and crayfish and things like that in, in different parts of the lake. And we were fishing anywhere from eight and to about uh, 22 feet of water and uh, um, really, really caught some nice walleyes. Big fish for us to, that day was uh, 27 inches. We caught a lot of nice eaters. We got some slots, uh, caught some saugers, a couple jumbo perch. But we got a couple of perch that were just freaking tanks. And that's kind of the way it is on Lake of the Woods. If you get perch, you know, you normally get big ones. You don't get a lot of them, but when you get them, they're normally really big. So really a nice, nice day in the water. What do you think happens, Joe? Do you think all the, the, the small perch get eaten quite a bit? There's such a probably a big forage base for those walleyes that every once in a while one survives and just decides to get giant. Because you're right. It's like if you catch a perch, it's it's always a big one. and well, But it's usually only one or two. You know, it's just usually a, a small amount, but they're usually really nice fish. Well, I've asked the DNR that question, too, because that is a, it's a good observation. You know, it's funny. They, they tell me, they said, man, when we're sand netting up in the sand, they, they sand net for the young of your walleyes and young of your fish, but then they also get a lot of bait fish and stuff. They said the number of small perch we get are just huge. So hmm. I almost wonder if those small perch aren't just living in different areas, not where oh, we're walleye sure. fishing, but rather they're living in the bays and they're living shallow just get to not get eaten, you know? Well, and, and, and that's a good point because you think about Lake of the Woods as a body of water. You've got muskies in there. you got lake trout in there. You've got all these crappies. you got all these different fish. Yet when you're fishing for walleyes, you seem to be in areas that hold walleyes more than they hold some of those other species. I think it's probably a predation thing. And you know, those perch can, you know, when you go into some of the bays and some of the different things, you start catching smaller perch and that's where I've seen them. But, uh, I think it's probably that perch, you know, to, to that notion, though, I'm like, are there really that many perch in Lake of the Woods? And talking about the DNR fisheries, they're like, man, when we do our say netting, we see just gazillions of them. And they do think a lot of those get eaten up. But then some of them obviously survive because we got, you know, a, a big perch. We, we got a nice population of big perch in the lake. When it comes to those spinners, too, uh, you will change up your sizes a little bit. Yeah. G- great question. You know, uh, so so for people that aren't a. a you know, real, real dialed in on spinner sizes when you pull a spinner. You know, when you pull a spinner now, you can you can buy a lot of good spinners, snelled spinners right off the shelf. We normally, when I'm pulling a crawler harness, I normally use a two hook harness. And what I try to do is put that crawler on a on that spinner. And then if I have a real long piece of tail hanging off, I'll pinch it off to about two to three inches. That way you're gonna hook more walleyes. They'll still hit it, you will just hook more walleyes. But you, you asked about the spinner, and, and the reason I mentioned purchasing them off the shelf is you can buy spinners that are all set up for you, or you can buy some spinners that have that quick change clevis. That quick change clevis allows you to change the spinner color and the spinner size. So I have trays and trays of spinners that are different sizes and colors. And to give you an example, I mean, a, a number, my go-to, if you ask me of all the spinners, Joe, what, what number one spinner would you pull and everywhere? And to me, that would be a number four Colorado, which is a round, kind of a round blade, a deep cup hammered gold. That would be my my go-to. And and there's your, your hammered gold spinner that Danny's showing on the, on the screen right now. But And there's so many good, you know, you go up to Lake of the Woods, you got Tom's Tackle makes spinners up there. That's kind of a go-to up there. A lot of the charter boats use that. But boy, you know, between, you know, uh, uh, 
Rapalor, VMC, and Northland, and Lynn. I mean, everybody's got a, a Snell spinner, and they make some really good ones now. I love using that fluorocarbon line. Um, it disappears in water, so I feel like I can get away with a little bit heavier line. I personally tie my own spinners. So when I tie my own spinners, I use 15-pound fluorocarbon. I usually use about a number two uh, octopus hook. Um, a lot of spinners are tied with a number four, which is a little bit smaller hook. Um, and then, of course, you want to use enough beads or a combination of beads and floats so that when you put your blade on that clevis, it's not touching that top hook. You don't want it covering that top hook because you could, you know, that could get in between the, the fish grabbing that spinner and, and that hook to hook them. Um, Did and, you, you know, see... Sorry, Joe. Did you see Jason Mitchell posted, I don't know, a week or two ago, I guess now it was, when he's running spinners, he'll take his back hook, and he'll run it through his plastic or his crawler, you know, he'll use uh, like a pl artificial crawler. He'll run his hook through it and all the way through and actually pull the line through and let that back hook just dangle back there. Oh, Which interesting. Is, no, I, I have not done that. I've not seen it. I have to take a look at that, actually. That's good information. And <clears throat> Jason Mitchell is a heck of a fisherman. He's a good guy. And, uh, you know, I, if, if he's going to put a tip out like that, I'm going to take a look at it. I can tell you one tip I, I do um, I do use. No, I didn't use on Lake of the Woods. We just use live crawlers. But when I'm fishing, there's two instances when I'll use a fake crawler. One is um, when I'm pulling in, pulling through weeds. If I'm pulling through weeds and I got to snap it out of those weeds once in a while, you know, you're going to snap your crawler off because they're kind of delicate. Um, then I'll use a, a fake crawler on a spinner. Another situation is when I'm in a, in a situation where there's a whole bunch of perch or sunfish that are going to just eat your, eat your crawler immediately. Mm -hmm. And it's now there's actually a third scenario is that when you are fishing up at the Northwest Angle and you want to go travel by boat into um, the, the Ontario side of Lake of the Woods, you're no longer allowed to bring any kind of live or frozen or dead bait across the border. So most people are using just artificial plastics for jigging and, you know, artificial crawlers for pulling spinners up there. And there there's, yeah. I tell you, there's one, there's a lot of products on the market uh, that you can use, you know, Berkeley's got some good products and others. Um, the one product I, I really like using, and I'm not endorsed or anything, I'll just tell you straight up, but um, is Uncle Josh Pork. Hmm. You know, they Uncle Josh Pork Ryan, um, they got an Uncle Josh Pork Nightcrawler. And I'll take that seven inch crawler, Canadian crawler, and I'll cut it in half with a scissors. It's like leather, it's tough. It's got this juice on it that's just slimy. What I'll do is I'll, uh, I'll, I'll use a two hook harness and I'll have just a little bit hanging off that last hook if I cut that, that worm in half. And I'll tell you, that's, uh, that's kind of my go-to when I'm pulling spinners. And uh, I know that uh, Corey Springle, who's a pro who works with Berkeley, have, has actually developed uh, a crawler for pulling spinners for walleyes that's uh, kind of gets unique tendencies. I have not tried that yet, but Corey had told me about it when I, I did seminars alongside him uh, or, sure. or uh, you know, at a sports show. So it'd be interesting to take a look at that product too. There's a gulp crawler. And, uh, you know, if Corey developed, I got a feeling that's probably got some good merit to it. Yeah, and Northland's got their new eye candy. They got some crawlers too. So there, there's a number of artificials. Honestly, Dan and I have been fishing a lot this summer, and I don't, I don't remember the last time we had live bait in the boat. Um, yeah, opener maybe. maybe I'll, opener. I'll buy minnows still opener sometimes, but yeah, otherwise I, it's kind of fun. I don't have to worry about finding dead crawlers in my boat anymore, <laughs> yeah. or leeches or anything. And, and we smell. <laughs> and we've done just fine on them. Like we, we were on a trip. We were in on Ontario actually, and uh, so I don't think anybody. What do we? They got crawlers up yeah, there. Yeah, because the resort we were at could sell them. They That's were getting right. them. They had an, uh, a way that we could yeah. buy them from the island. They're in Canada, so they were legally purchased by our group. 
Um, and guys caught some big, there's like a 32 and a half caught on either a leech or a nightcrawler. So there's no doubt that you can still catch a lot of big fish and a lot of fish on live bait, but, yeah, but it, there was, was also, it was really nice not having to deal with it for us. Yeah, but there was also like, I think a 29 and a couple of 27s and, and maybe there was another 30 that were all caught on artificial. Plenty of, plenty of big fish caught on artificial <clears throat> yeah. too. It, it was enough to the point where like nobody said live bait outfished the, the plastics, um, but it's all personal preference thing. Sure. And honestly, what it comes down to, I think, is what you're confident in. If you're not yep. confident in a plastic, then you, I wouldn't use it because you don't catch fish if you're not confident in it. Well, my, one, my one thing I'll say is, you know, the one thing I'll say is that, you know, one of the tips I, I see most people, you know, I use a two ounce bottom bouncer and I see people going a lot lighter. And that 45 degree angle, the angle of the dangle, as they say, that's really important for catching a lot of fish and also having control of your presentation. I think that's a biggie. I think the other one is people put a whole crawler on you guys see how much of that crawler is hanging out that back hook? Right. Too I mean, you got so much crawler. Yeah, they're a hit it, but half the time you're going to miss that fish. Man, if you got that just a little piece of crawler, I'll pinch that crawler off. And if my crawler is long enough, I'll save that second half and, and use that the next time I need to put live bait on. But otherwise, I'll just pinch it and throw it in the water if it's too short of a crawler. Um, but I'll tell you something. You'll catch way more fish that way. Well, and I'll say, Joe, the 30-incher I caught up on Lake of the Woods this year was on a spinner, but it was on a uh, on plastic. It was artificial. So yep. I, I'm, uh, I have confidence in it now, and I'm excited to get back up to Lake of the Woods. And if Joe, Joe, if people want to plan a trip up there, maybe start thinking about fall or even winter fishing, or get up there yet this summer, what should they do? You know, check out our website, and that is lakeofthewoodsmn.com. Sporting Journal Radio is a division of Macaba LLC. If you've got a question, comment, or story idea for us, send us an email. Go to sportingjournalradio.com. While you're there, you can learn how to advertise on the show and visit our store for hats, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more. Go to sportingjournalradio.com.